Okay, hi everybody and welcome to another episode, a fairly timely episode of On Purpose. I am Dr. John Duffy and right over there is your favorite Chicago columnist and the um, creative director of Parent Nation. Mm-hmm. What, what's hi, the question mark at the end of that sentence? I, I, I wanted to make sure I had your title correct. <laughs> <That's> right, <laughs> no, Parent right. Nation, I was certain of. Your absolute title, I was a little unclear on. But I think yeah, I've got cre- it. Okay. <laughs> creative director. And, and, and your your book comes out when? Yeah, Dana's book. Um, Dana's book. One, yeah, the one that I'm the creative director for, the book and campaign. Um, her book comes out on April 26th, so next week. Um, so we are super excited and jazzed and also running around like our hair's on fire. Uh, <laughs> That's which is which is great. It's so great. And it's such an important project. And I cannot wait for it to be out in the world. Honestly, like um, it's it's going to there aren't many things that come along where, um, you know, you probably get handed every project, Heidi, under the sun. And there are probably a lot of times where you're like, yeah, nice idea, but, you know, probably nothing's going to really change in the mm-hmm. wake of this. With, with, your, with, with Parent Nation, with what you and Dana are doing, I think something changes. I think, so, I think this actually creates, like, sweeping change across the country and beyond. Like, it feels big. Thank you so much for saying that. I hope you're right. Um, I I hope everybody listening really will give the book a shot and 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 read it. And and we talk about this all the time at at work at at my new work at Parent Nation. Um, like you know, it, is there one policy we want to see enacted after you know people hopefully maybe even legislators read this book? Is there one like law that should be passed? Like what? what's right. sort of our dream and, yeah. and and it's not a policy book although certainly Dana talks about policies that would make America a more family friendly place like paid leave or you know more accessible high quality child she really hopes to do and that we really hope to do that I love is like elevate people's expectations for what they deserve from society like parents I think feel so um, much shame when they can't do everything on their own and they haven't figured out the exact right formula for how to get the right amount of, you know, time off work when they welcome a new baby into the home and how to pay all the bills and how to find the childcare that's near their house that they can also afford that also isn't more than college that like, and, right. and it feels like, why can't I figure this out? Why am I like, and and I don't want to ask for help because I'm, you know, I have this like myth of, you know, rugged individualism pounded into my head since, you know, day one here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and at the same time, you have all this messaging of like, well, maybe you shouldn't have had a kid if you can't afford it, or maybe you shouldn't have a second kid if you could only afford one, or maybe you should like, there's all these messages that are like, not my problem, your problem. Right, right, right. Um, And and, and you're failing at your problem. And you're failing at it. Yeah. And, And so then that keeps people from wanting to ask for help or expecting help or even feeling like they would deserve help if they did know where to ask for it. And so, um, the book spells out like why the work that parents are and caretakers and grandparents and aunts and uncles and all the people who help their <laughs> kids, 
why that work is so incredibly important to like safeguard our future and you know literally you're building a child's brain especially in those first five years in ways that are going to affect who they are for the rest of their lives um so it's incredibly important you should be incredibly proud of it you should be celebrated for it and like society should make space for it and support you in it and i think that um you know we don't really get a lot of that message. We get a lot of how-to messages and how to right. do it better and what to do different and what to stop doing. Um, and there's really none of that in this book. This is more like the work you're doing is important. Um, society needs to support you more in it. Um, here's the scientific case <laughs> for that. Um, it's not sort of just touchy-feely. It's like, here's what's happening in your child's brain, especially in those first five years um, when you've been kind of left completely on your own to figure it out in this country. Um, and let's all come together and, and try to change that. So yeah. I hope people do. I do too. And, and uh, one thing that's striking in reading it is like, you know, I, I went to grad school for psychology. I should know something about like neurobiology. <laughs> and yet mm. what, what Dana writes about the first five years, how important they are in terms of brain and body development and emotional development and cognitive development um, and how we are kind of leaving parents out there to do to manage those years on their own, despite how wildly important they are. You finally feel like some veil's been lifted, and you're like, "Oh, right, that's madness." Like we need to do yeah. this completely right. differently. Right. <laughs> oh gosh, all wrong, huh? Interesting. Yeah. Right. I mean, and nobody should feel like they should do it all. The all you know, manage that entire process on their own. And ninety percent of brain growth happens before a kid starts kindergarten, and we kind of act like parents should just figure everything out on their own before their kids are kindergarten. And then society steps in. It's like, here you go. Here's a school. Here's where you register. You know, here's some, like, a teacher. Here's, you know, but but, <laughs> but before that, it's like, I don't know. They're just cute and, like, cuddly and have somebody take care of them. Um, yeah. And it's like, actually, what's happening in those first five years, like, teaches and shapes and forms them more than anything that will happen ever, ever again in college and high school and middle school, all, all of that. And, and it, it's just upside down world that we have abandoned parents to the degree that we have in this country during those years. Um, so, right. I mean, I, I could go on and on about this. I know we don't want to make this a whole parent nation um, podcast, but um, the one last thing I'll say is that, um, you know, Dana talks in the book a lot about, <clears throat> especially in one chapter about the AARP and how, you know, really before the AARP was formed, um, the elderly were the abandoned, marginalized right. demographic in this country. Um, it was sort of like, well, what are they contributing to the bottom line? And like, they're, you know, <laughs> um, they can fend for themselves. Right. And they, and, and left to for themselves, they were living in really deplorable conditions. They were the poorest segment of the population. Yeah. Um, and the AARP, you know, galvanized seniors across, um, you know, demographics, across political lines, and really turned the elderly into this, like, powerful voting bloc and political force. Um, and also, to my earlier point, like, 
helped the country change their view of the elderly, that look at the elderly as a group deserving of societal support, right. deserving of some help in their later years and, you know, health insurance and, you know, subsidized, you know, prescriptions and, and, and all the things that, that, you know, the ARP has helped ensure seniors get. Um, and so right, not just this, this inconvenient burden or something, not, right? Yeah. Not just in, exactly. Right. It's not right, like, right. Oh, subsidies or, Oh, handouts. Um, yes. Right. right. Like, no, they, they need these things and we can provide them. Um, yeah. And so, you know, we talk a lot about whether it's possible to get, you know, a mindset shift in this country so that parents can also galvanize across demographics and political lines and, and you know, not be pitted against one another and say like, hey, we all need, we all need paid leave. Like if you want to stay home longer, you need paid leave. If you want, you know, like everybody needs paid leave, liberal, yes. conservative, all the, so all right. of these policies and, and this <clears throat> mindset shift would benefit everybody, regardless of whether you're <clears throat> conservative or liberal or religious or atheist or black or white or poor or rich. Um, so that's the hope is that this will feel like a unifying message and then also kind of a call to action. So. Yep. And, um, and, and it does. And then thank goodness that, you know, Dana has the side gig of being a surgeon. Right. Because, <laughs> right. This, this doesn't hustle. feel this doesn't feel big enough to, uh, you know, really keep somebody busy for any. Right. <laughs> right. 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 Yeah. There is that, too. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, I feel like that dovetails pretty nicely into what I think we wanted to talk about. Right. Where, you know, we think about segments of populate of the population that might need help or people we might want to reach out to when they're struggling like we you and i were talking about a few minutes ago and sometimes i think we they're right in front of us and we either um, aren't aware of it aren't trained to be aware of it or just have no idea what to do yeah so last time we talked we had deb on the podcast and she mm -hmm. was just so incredibly brave and poignant and wonderful, um, sharing her story of her daughter's struggles and self-harm. And, and then I wrote about that in a column a couple of days after our podcast. And um, between the two things, I've just gotten so many emails from parents who could 100% completely relate to what Deb's family is going through. Um, and also just feel lost. Like the, a lot of what I'm hearing is like, I'm not, I'm not in denial about my child being in crisis. I'm not, you know, trying to talk him or her out of the fact that they're in crisis. I'm not doing the toxic positivity thing. I literally <laughs> don't know how to help them. I can't, I don't, do I go to a psychologist or do I go to a psychiatrist? I've tried finding both and they're all booked up. Like, what do I, what am I asking a psychologist or a psychiatrist once I book the appointment? What should my kid ask them? Like, I don't know what to do. So I feel like if you could like help walk us and the people listening through that a little bit, it would be maybe super helpful. Cause I do think people are like, where's my roadmap? Like yeah. I, 
you know, I, I'm, I think I'm being told that I'm, you know, in denial and not doing enough and it's, I'm trying to do more and I can't, I don't know right. where to turn. I can't, you know, so, so I guess like anytime, but I also have a couple of like kind of specific questions. Maybe I could start with one of those. Yeah, sure. So, so one question I have, because kids lives now are so different than ours were in every single way um and one of the ways they're so different is like their um workload like their actual oh. you know the expectations put on them by school by even their hobbies are like so hyper competitive that like I remember June coming home from cheer one day and being like the coach said I'm not being enough of a role model to the younger girls and I was like it's cheerleading <laughs> i'm sorry right why do you have to be a role model to the younger girls could you just yell and do flips and laugh like it's right cheer like so they almost get no breaks where they just get to like fun and have fun and not have someone be like okay and where is this going on your resume like so right so so how do you know the difference as a parent and how do you help your kid know the difference between like stress like my life has a lot of stress in it right now and yep. anxiety or like uh, something's wrong it's not just that like there's a lot on my plate it's like i am anxious about these things um i is does that make sense like what's the, oh totally because um, stress, you can remove some things from your plate. Like, okay, so we're not going to take three AP classes um, yeah. ne next semester. Now we know that's too many. Um, or like, okay, we're going to, um, you're not going to look for a job this summer. Or you're not going to, or let's only do one sport. Or like, you can remove stressors. Um, yep. But like, that's different, right, than anxiety? It is. It, um, yeah, anxiety is kind of stress. I it, from a layman's perspective, right? We, I could talk about the diagnostic criteria, but I think we overuse and bastardize some of these words to the point where they lose all meaning, you know, like mm -hmm. I'm totally stressed out, like, you know, and, and some people, some parents um, might feel like, oh my God, we have to do something. Others might be like, yeah, you know what? That's what be, that's, that's life just deal, you know? Um, mm -hmm. So we almost have to just define our, our, our terms and part of doing that is they're all so individualistic that you first have to sit down and, and hear your kid out and really hear your kid out about what it is that their days and nights are like and what their degree of stress is like. And oftentimes what we do instead that's a little reductive is we, we decide that um, the symptoms of the problem are the problem, you know? Yeah, um, mm -hmm. he she's not getting up to go to school. He's not going to school at all. Um, their grades are dropping. You know, like you've got to work harder. You've just got to grind a little bit harder instead of mm -hmm. like, hey, I noticed like you know that you know you were doing so well in school at the beginning of the semester, and things seem to be slipping a little bit. What's go tell me what's going on in your life? You know that that's driving that. You know, so if you sometimes I just want parents to think you know a hair you know a, a one bridge upstream and and think you know kind of like you know what instead of being angry or or frustrated about the behavior really think about like okay something is driving this like kids kids aren't they're not in the business of like you know 
I think I know a good way to frustrate my mom. Yeah. I'm going to try. I'm going <laughs> to. <laughs> right. I'm going to do that today. That's, that's right. going to spend most of the day trying to figure that out. Um, that's going to go well for me. That's going to go well for <laughs> Right. Yeah. It just makes everything better and interesting. Right. And, yeah. Right. Um, Plus, I'm but, bored, even though I'm right. a workload so, that could not possibly be understood. But yeah. Okay. Yes. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so if we could put our assumptions aside and just talk to our kids and, and, and understand, like, what's going on with them. And your kid, if you're, if they think you're really open to hearing it, they'll have a dissertation for you. you like, mm-hmm. it, it is amazing. Like what the first hour of therapy with a teenager is like, because I'll, I'll start usually with kind of like, okay, so why are we here? You know, like you don't mm-hmm. want to be here. You know, <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I think that's probably true. And oftentimes that's not the case and they do, you know, these days, but, um, what they usually do is like give me like a litany of things that are stressing them out. And Mm -hmm. then we just kind of determine like, okay, can any, just like you were saying, Heidi, is there anything that can go, you know, like, okay, we're Mm -hmm. really trying to load up on APs because we want to get into Princeton. Um, Let's talk about whether that's working for you now, because that's two years away and that's a lot of your life. Um, And just kind of like working it through and reasoning with kids and really acknowledging like, what it is that they're going through and that mm-hmm. it's hard. And, and mm-hmm. I, I think, I think for some reason as parents, maybe in particular, but even other adults in kids' lives, we're reticent to do that. We're reluctant to acknowledge that something's hard because maybe there isn't an easy out. There isn't an easy fix for it. Um, but kids need to know that we, hear that part out. I mean, you know, Mm -hmm. in in the end, you know, like the punchline for this episode is going to be like that is going to be no matter Mm -hmm. what they're going through, they need to know like, okay, somebody, there's an ear there that is listening to me and hearing me out. Um, we, I, I, it's almost becoming cliche to say, you know, like you don't even have to solve their problems. All you have to do is hear them. That's not necessarily true. But yeah. you, you have to hear them like you, mm. you, because they if they can't come to you, um, there are many, many places they can go. You know, like in mm-hmm. my biggest fear is always like that a 14 year old is at two o'clock in the morning going to go to another 14 year old on Snapchat. And yeah. that's how they're going to get their mental health help, you know, uh, right. and that's um, I think it's lovely that kids are willing to do that for one another but it's not useful. You know what I mean? Like it, it's not, it, it's useful to a point. Like if, if a child's really struggling, really in trouble, um, thinking about hurting themselves, having suicidal thoughts, it's really important that somebody else be involved. Yeah. But oftentimes the only person they feel like they have to go to is their age. And that worries right. me. Right. Well, especially when that puts, you know, even more burden on another 14 year old who might also be in, Sure. Mode of their own. Yeah, likely is. Yeah. Yeah. Gosh. Okay. Um, and if a parent feels like, okay, we, we need some help. Where the heck do I even begin? Do I Google like, you know, mental health resources and my zip code? Like, do you tell people Hmm. go to your primary, like your pediatrician first? Like, what do you tell people to do? 
Um, that I, I, I think if we went to psychology today or the American Psychological Association um, or the, my grad school, that's what they would say is like, you know, go go talk to your the pediatrician and get a referral. Um, and and that might be that might work fine. Um, I. My bias is when you are finding a therapist for your child, you don't get many shots at getting it wrong. Like if you're looking for a therapist for yourself, you might think like, I'm going to interview or sit down and have a session with three or four people and I'll decide who I really connect with. Mm -hmm. um, kids don't really have the patience for that. Um, and mm -hmm. at some point, you know, they're, because they have less, less life experience, they might feel like, I tried it. I tried therapy. It didn't work. You know, I went mm -hmm. to a guy or I went to, I went to a woman and they did, it just didn't work out for me. So that's not going to work. And we got to try something else. I need a, mm -hmm. I need medication. I need, you know, mm -hmm. something for ADHD. I need, right. Right. Um, so what I would do instead is, um, I would have my ear to the ground with the two best resources I think are other parents, because you want mm -hmm. somebody who has experience working with kids, your kid's age, so mm -hmm. um, I wouldn't be shy about, you know, like uh, I'd let your child know but that you're going to talk to some other parents. But, you know, like if you asked five parents, somebody's kid has been in therapy, you know, um, mm -hmm. and th th the taboo around that is disintegrating fast. And I think that's absolutely like something I never thought would happen in my lifetime. You know, I, I that that we'd be talking about this fairly openly, which is awesome. Um and school social workers also know, like, uh, the therapists where um, not only do they have experience, but they kids tend to stick, right? You know, they, they tend to keep going and getting what they need, as opposed to, like, you know, they get referred right back to the social worker and mm -hmm. they have to find them somebody else. So, um, so I would, I would follow both those leads. And um, a lot of parents will ask me, like, you know, well... Um, I really like this one therapist. They only have a master's degree. So I don't know. Are they qualified to work with my child? And yeah, oh, for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That happens a lot, actually. You know, huh. like, you know, oh, you have a doctorate. I think, um, you know, I should look for somebody who has a doctorate. And I, I will tell you, like, that is the least relevant criteria I, I can think of. And oftentimes yeah. people with master's degrees have more clinical work behind them because they've spent less time in grad school doing, you know, looking through books like I did, um, yeah. and more time sitting across from kids who are struggling. And so, um, the degree, as long as there's a license tied to it, doesn't matter. Um, as long as your child connects with that person, that, that connection is the most important thing. Um, and if that doesn't happen, then it doesn't matter how good the therapist is at technique at, you know, like, yeah. okay, this is what I want you to do cognitively or behaviorally. Um, that stuff is not particularly useful if your child's like just suffering the hour, just kind of making right. it through. Right. So, right. you you know, you've, you've really got to talk to your kid about like, you know, so how do you, how do you like, you know, Dr. Heidi and, and uh, do you want to go back or do you want to talk to somebody else? What do you think? You know, and really, really hear them out and pay attention to, you know, every cue, you know, because they might be trying to just please you like, no, you did a good job, mom. And thanks for finding her for mm -hmm. me. And, um, and kids will like linger in therapy. And 
we also can't expect our kids to know what good therapy is, you know? So yeah. if you go for like, you know, do you like them? Do you, do you feel comfortable talking to them? That's, that's pretty good. If they, if they, if you get that, you're, you're doing pretty well. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Those are super helpful questions. Yeah. Um, do you think there's, um, any value in having like male therapist for male kid, female therapist for female kid, or is that just like a total personal preference per kid? Is that something you should ask your kid? I mean, these are like, at some point, this is a luxury right now because I right. think we're just trying to find anyone who's got openings. But if you somehow have the luxury of choices, like, what do you think <laughs> about like old versus young, male versus female? Like, or is that just like something you're, is going to vary totally kid to kid? Um, it varies so much kid to kid. Uh, and, and again, most kids are not expert in going to therapy. So mm-hmm. a lot of females might think like, oh, I can't imagine talking to a man. And mm. a lot of guys, you know, boys will think like, I can't imagine talking to a woman. Um, in, in practice, I'll say, I don't find that it matters a whole lot, you know? Okay. And, um, but my bias also would be, you know, like the most important thing if your child needs help is to get them in a room. And if, if mm-hmm. so, if your daughter says, yeah, I think I'd rather talk to a woman than a man, I would mm-hmm. absolutely follow that. Um, mm-hmm. But you put, but you're also pointing out something really important, Heidi, like right now, um, I, oddly, I went to my my grad school's graduation a couple of years ago. A friend of mine graduated with a master's degree from there. And when I graduated, um, my wife and I are moving, Julie and I are moving into the city and we were, we're looking through all our old stuff. And I found the program for my graduation. I graduated with 31 people. I thought it was actually more than that. My school that graduated 31 people in 2000 um, has graduated 400 people this year. So there are therapists out. I know. Right. And I thought three years ago, if you and I were recording, I'd say we have, we've flooded the market with therapists. We have way too many people. We're never going to be able to find work for them. Uh, in the wake of a pandemic, I feel like, Oh, 400 is not nearly enough. We need so many more people to work with kids in particular. Um, so I'm actually glad that there's a lot of therapists out there because to your point, like so many people um, have no time available and have mm-hmm. to kick kick issues down the road. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I will say, and this is now this is like a, a hard position to put parents in. But if your child suggests that they would like to talk to a therapist, first, don't dismiss that. Like you know, mm-hmm. make sure that happens because mm-hmm. that imagine what it takes for a kid to get to that point, right? Where they're yeah. like willing to actually say those words, you know, like yeah. I'm having, I'm really struggling. I want to talk to somebody. Um, and then, um, really start talking to like parents in particular and, you know, okay. like, you know, and, 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 and I will like a, a little bit of inside baseball that I think, um, a lot of therapists would not be thrilled with me for saying <laughs> is that, you want somebody who's busy because somebody who's busy by and large, you know, they're probably pretty good, you know, like, uh, mm-hmm. and, um, and if you find somebody that your kid connects with, 
oftentimes we will say, and I've been in this boat, you know, like just too busy. I cannot take on another client. Don't, don't take that as your final answer. <laughs> a, lot, mm. a, a lot of us, <laughs> uh, for better or worse, a lot of us are bleeding hearts. And, yeah. and um, you know, if you, oftentimes I will hear, you know, like, you know, oh, my, my son's really struggling. Um, you know, he's home from college. Uh, he really had a hard first semester. And this is like a particular thing I'm very interested in. And, you know, I'm like, oh, shit, I'm so busy but I'm so going to work with this guy, you know? Yeah. So, so, you know, like if you're, you build your case, you know, if you feel like you've got the right person, you know, they'll find the time. And even if you have to kick it down the road a couple of weeks or whatever, that might be worth it instead of going to somebody where you're shrugging thinking, I'm not sure I have a fit here at all. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I just threw myself under the bus. I yeah. and a lot of other there, but all my friends. <laughs> <laughs> right. Tron's about to be blowing up even more than it already is. Um, okay. Um, last thing I'm going to ask, and then I know yeah. we have to hop off here. Um, oh, how do I segue into this? Um, you and I talked about a talk that you were asked to give um, by a school, and the... Mm -hmm. I just feel like this anecdote is a little bit informative for parents. Like there were some parameters put up for you that made it seem, I think from the way you and I were talking about it, like it wasn't going to be as helpful as you would like it to be. Cause they were sort of like, well, don't make sure people don't leave their like sad. Like, yes. Right. You know, all right. We don't, we don't want to alarm anyone. Um, like, let's make sure that when we talk about suicide, we put a positive spin on it. Um, you're, you're, so, you're doing a very good job uh, with this idea. Yes. So, um, I mean, like when your kid is home from therapy or is getting ready to go to therapy, like, is it, are there things that you would like parents to like, not do like don't you know don't be like cheer up you just left therapy or like I don't know if therapy's working when you come home you're sad or like you know what I mean like right right um, right no that's that's a great that's a great point right um there's often like kind of a refractory period after therapy and kids oftentimes more often than not I think people walk out of a therapy room feeling lighter and a little less burdened a little happier than they did when they walked in um that's not always the case, though, to your point. Um, sometimes people come out and they're like, you know, it, it's really hard to talk about what's the hard thing in your life or the set mm -hmm. of hard things. Um, and so, uh, you know, I, I think I overuse certain words and available is one of them. But if you make yourself available, like, you know, hey, um, if you want to talk about what happened today, um, you know how it went. Great. Um, I, I'm up for doing that, but that's your hour. And, um, and I usually sit down with parents and kids in, in the first hour and say, you know, like, um, your child's not yet 18. So you actually have the file that, uh, you know, that I keep is actually yours and you can ask for it anytime. Never ask for it. <laughs> you know, mm. um, let this be your child's hour. And mm. if there's something we think you need to know, we will invite you in and we will all talk about it. Mm. Um, 
And, uh, and I think that's a really useful way to handle like, you know, the need to know part so that because it's when your kids in therapy, it's anxiety inducing and you wonder like, are they okay? You know, like, so if, if that's a core part of the, the agreement that, you know, things are not okay enough, um, Mm -hmm. that, you know, like then the therapist will reach out to you, then maybe you can breathe a little bit. And if your child says, no, it went fine. Then, mm-hmm. then maybe you can let that go, you know, like, um, mm-hmm. uh, but you, you, to, to your point about the talk, um, what you don't want to be is either overly dismissive, you know, like, okay, I got you in therapy, that part's over. So you're doing it. So you should feel better soon. <laughs> you know, um, mm-hmm. you shouldn't make a lot of assumptions like that. Um, and it's okay then to, bring up sometimes the dark thing, the awful thing that happened in your kid's class or, um, you know, how big a struggle or stressor school is or the bully or whatever your kid is going through, you know, Mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, I think we have to take the, some of the fragility of asking certain questions away, you know, and, and we almost have to be de facto therapists as parents. And we might have to ask like, you know, uh, how are you ever sad? Um, have you ever thought about hurting yourself? You know, like mm-hmm. things that, that make us uncomfortable, but, you know, could be really life changing or life saving. Mm-hmm. Um, if you ask them in, in a, an open, delicate way, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. It's, a, it's tricky. It's, it's, it's tough yeah. and it's a lot. Um, but I guess the, you know, if there's only one thing I would want to say to parents about this whole thing is if you have an inkling that your child might benefit from therapy uh, and you have you're lucky enough to have the resources and access, absolutely. Bring them to therapy, you know, like there, yeah. there is no downside. You There isn't. I've never heard of anybody kind of like walking away like, boy, I so regret bringing my kid to therapy, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. that yeah. does not happen very often. So, you know, if you're wondering whether, um, the, the pitch is usually what I encourage is like, Hey, you know what? Do it for me. Go three times. We'll see how it goes. If, you know, if you like it, great. And we can continue. If you don't, at least, you know, somebody out there, if you need them later, you know, mm-hmm. like, and you can kind like of leave that. it at that. Yeah. I like that a lot. Yeah. Okay. Good. So you have to go and and get Parent Nation off the ground. I do, and I'm sure you have to go probably talk to kids and be. Got to talk to kids. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Be a lifeline for people, which is awesome. Um, But thank you so much. I I feel smarter um, about all of this now, and and I'm sure people listening do too. So that was. And thank you. Those are great questions, and those are the questions people want all always want answers to. So I appreciate it, Heidi. Yeah. Okay, good. Um, all right. We, I mean, I'm, I, I am going to also take a second to congratulate us for like recording so quickly after the last episode. I feel like only like two weeks passed, right? Uh, I think it's been only two weeks and yeah, I, I think a, a pat on the back is, is yeah. the least we deserve. And maybe right. if anybody, if any listener wants to add to that, right. uh, <laughs> feel free in the comments or, you know, right. balloons delivered to our offices, whatever you like. Totally. I love flowers. Um, and you can deliver them to multiple places. My workplace, my home, 
um, really anywhere. The gym. And I have to say, uh, like, I'm in, a, I'm in a fairly drab office right now. Flowers would not be the worst thing here either. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> okay. All right. we've, we've left people with yet more ideas. Exactly. Congratulations <laughs> on that, Heidi. That's so. Yeah. That's a big deal. <laughs> all right. Good talking to you, always. Good talking to you. Okay. Bye. Bye. Right. Bye.